Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. I think you're going to love today's episode because with me is one and only Josh Lethgaard. He's the founder of Kickoff Labs, a company that makes online lead generation and landing pages simple for everyone. Josh, I want you to take it from here. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Give us a glimpse to your personal life and share something that is exciting for you today. Yeah. Um, so uh, at Kickoff Labs, we specialize in helping people basically grow their email list at, the, at a fundamental level. Um, but what we specialize in uh, differently than just be, say, like a MailChimp or an email provider is enabling people to build a viral contest or a campaign behind what they're doing, um, meaning that you can set up a contest or a promotion where somebody signs up and you give them a token and say, invite friends with this, uh, with this link and token, and we track how many friends they've invited. So you can then reward them and say, get 10 friends and you get a 20% discount. Invite 30 friends and you get the product for free um, and, and enables them to build these kind of more interactive campaigns, which I think um, as, uh, as you know, advertising, uh, people become blind to more and more advertising. This sort of interactive engagement with your existing audience to grow the audience through word of mouth becomes more and more important. So our tools are really designed to help grow that interaction and that sharing and that, you know, really just encourage your, your customers and potential customers to become influencers in a product that either exists or is yet to be launched. That is really interesting. How did you come up with the idea in the first place? Um, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. So my co-founder and I, uh, we've got a, a background in uh, social software development. So we used to work uh, on a, at a company that did uh, blogs, wikis, social support forums uh, online and, and managed the development of that product. Um, and so social has sort of always been in our DNA to do something like that. Um, and then when we knew we wanted to start a company, uh, we wrote out a bunch of ideas and, and, you know, we wrote out like 45 ideas. We took the 45, narrowed them down to five ideas. We took the five ideas, wrote out business, like some business plans. But at a certain point you start saying, these are just all numbers and I can make any of these five ideas look great. What really mattered was, could we get people to sign up and tell their friends about it? Um, the, the service that we were building. And so we took the lean approach and we said, okay, let's, um, let's, let's build a, a, a sign up, you know, a sign up page that lets people tell their friends about it. And being uh, engineers uh, at, at heart, uh, we actually went and built that product and added that as idea number six. Um, and we used that product to then build out the five other landing pages um, and start promoting them all. Um, and, you know, idea number six, this, uh, this concept of the, the getting email signups or referrals, uh, seem to take off the most along with one other idea. Um, and so we, for a while, we're building two products. But then the more we kept investing in Kickoff Labs, the more it kept growing. And so we sort of have always had the philosophy of following the customers and following where people are willing to pay, put, put their dollars down. I want you to share with the audience how many active customers you have right now. Um, well over a 1,000 uh, con you know, concurrent active customers right, using the product. Thousand customers, that's awesome. Uh, congrats on that. What are some actionable tips and lessons you learned going from zero to 1,000? The biggest thing that most people overlook is the, is the, um, the concept of sweat equity in customer development. Um, and by that, I mean getting your hands a little dirty because so many people, uh, if they're just launching a product or if they've launched a product and they're trying to get the word out, 
they focus so much on things like Facebook ads and Google ads and like these, you know, paying for, for, for traffic strategies, which when you look at healthy companies, um, most healthy online companies get less than 10% of their customers from those sources. So why, when you're launching and starting a new product, would you spend, you know, 80% of your resources and time trying to trying to figure out an advertising model that works for your business that may or may not even be changing over time uh, when you're starting uh, when you're starting a new, a new company uh, like that. Um, and so, what's really important is to is to start building connections with the customers yourself as soon as possible. And by that, I mean, um, you know, I was going to uh, to events and startup startup events and marketing events and talking to people and saying. Hey, would this kind of, kind of product be interested to you? No. Well, what if it did this? And and doing that customer development early and saying, hey, by the way, go check out our site, you know, and, and sign up if you're interested. Um, so before we launched, doing that development, after we launched the product, literally every person that signed up for the product, I was personally emailing. I was looking at things they were building with the product and saying, why did you do it like this? How you know how could we make it better? Um, and you know, then we'd get people who'd say, "Yeah, I like your product, but I'd pay more if you did this." And I'd say, "Really? So if we did it, you'll pay more?" And like, we start following like when people were serious customers. I mean, we didn't just listen to every feedback and implement it, but we aggressively pursued discussions with customers that drove a direction to the product in a way that we wanted to drive it. So I mean, obviously, there's some ideas that we didn't want to drive the product in that direction, but then. There's you know a lot of ideas that customers had that aligned with it. We aggressively kept implementing those based on the feedback from early customers. Yeah, definitely. I want to touch on one-on-one relationships. It's so important to give that call to a potential customer. Giving a call to an existing customer gives so much value and it takes maybe a few minutes out of your day. Josh, I want to talk about failure. And if you look back to your career as an entrepreneur, have you had a moment which really shaped your life where you learn from failure or a major obstacle? <laughs> um, a, a few, I mean, I call it a couple of things. It's, you know, this concept that, you know, we look at um, events in our lives in general and we assume that, you know, Oh, this thing's going to happen on Tuesday and it's going to make this thing amazing. Um, and it's going to, it's going to be great. And it's going to change everything. And then it, you know, it turns out the thing happens and, and it's just Tuesday. And the, I mean, it was the, that way with launching our product, you know, all this excitement and like, thinking like, okay, we're going to turn on the switch and people are going to come in droves and pay for our product. And, and like, it, it was just Wednesday. <laughs> like, yeah, we had a couple people sign up, but like, it made you realize like, wow, there is a long road ahead. And after the first month of, you know, accepting paying customers, I mean, we actually did cover like our server costs and stuff. Um, but beyond that, you know, we weren't paying ourselves beyond that. I think we made like $10 total. So I, I asked my co-founder, I said, well, what are you going to do with your $5? And he said, um, he said, hookers and Coke. And I said, you're going to have to dramatically lower your standards or we're going to have to get much better at this business thing. <laughs> like, um, and, and, you know, it just, it's, it was facing the reality was a huge challenge of that. Like, wow, we had so far to go and, you know, it took two years to be at a place where we could, you know, feel like we paid ourselves a reasonable amount. Yeah. I think that patience is often overlooked in our society. And I think the one thing that is really common with everybody who has been on our show, that they've been really consistent and patient in everything they do. And Josh, your story wasn't overnight success. It took two years. It's a, it's a give and a take of the, the culture with entrepreneurs, because I, I do believe to an extent in the concept of failing fast. But I do think a lot of people give up on their ideas because if they don't get initial traction, they look at it and they say, oh, I should fail fast and give up and try something else. 
And you have to look at it and say, well, maybe the idea didn't fail fast. Maybe how you approached the idea failed fast. And so you still have to have that mindset of like, I'm going to try something to get customers and that failed. But that doesn't mean the idea was a bad idea. It might mean that the way you approach the customers or the pitch you made to the customers was a bad idea and try changing that. Um, and I feel like too many people give up when if they actually stuck with it and actually and uh, with the core concept and kept failing faster on the ideas around how to support the core concept, then they'd be in a much better place today than having to start over and start over again constantly. Let's say there's someone in the audience who runs a business and they're not seeing the results they're looking for. They're not seeing that growth, not seeing that money on their bank account. How do you validate an idea? How do you know that something is worth your time and money? Uh, the customers validate it for you. I mean, if I mean, a, if if you don't have uh, if you don't have customers you can talk to, then I mean that's got to be goal number one, right? If you've got nobody using the product and you've got nobody that you can really talk to that's interested in using the product, I mean that obviously has to be your your first goal. Once you have that, you know you have to start really drilling into them, not just saying would this product be neat, but like would you pay for this? Would you be my you know the customer for this? Like here's a credit card form, like go sign up. Um, because the other thing that people do is they chase they chase around people and customers that aren't really going to make good customers for their product, um, and so they get caught up in the concept of traction, like oh I've got this many you know this many this many users and this many people doing it, but not caught up into the important thing of are those user you know are those users really engaged which you know number one, number two are those the people that are going to pay you for the product if you're building a, a, a you know a service a, you know a business service like ours or software as a service like ours um, or even you know, any sort of physical product like are the people you're bringing to the site and bringing into your community are they really the right people who are going to pay you for something and you have to you have to really drill into them and push them to find out if they are the right people uh, to, to, to come in and then if you know you have the right people once you've got that and you said talk to all these people I know they would pay for a product like this and they're still not like paying and signing up, well, then you have to turn around and look and say, maybe then it's the implementation of the product, right? Maybe then we have to change how it works or how it functions because something's not quite right about it. Um, but people don't do enough of that, um, the, the personal connection with the customers first to do that validation to know enough whether or not it is the product's fault or the, the audience's fault or you know, the fault of whatever audience you're bringing in. Do you guys do any paid media or is it from existing clients? Um, you know, we're probably, I think the last time I looked, like 3% of our customers come from paid media. Um, and a lot of that comes from, uh, from retargeting. Um, it's paid media, which is kind of a, you know, in-between thing to me because they'll come to our site from, you know, organic searches on Google um, and come to our blog or get referred from a customer. But then we're retargeting them and so is it did we find them through paid media or did paid media just help acquire them as a as a customer finally um we we don't get we don't focus too much on on adwords like direct adwords and, and facebook ad buys today i hope you don't mind but i want to take a bit of a different approach and talk about you personally we like to ask all entrepreneurs who come to our show one same exact question what is one thing that you do that has been the biggest contributor to your successes so far? The biggest contributor to my success so far? Um, I would, I mean, I, I, you touched on one, which is that uh, been uh, completely patient um, without, uh, without working to burn myself out. Before we started this company, 
Um, I was working a job that was like 60, 65 hours a week. I ran a product team. There were 30 people on the team. It was a really stressful job, and I knew I couldn't do it for that much longer. Um, so one of my goals in starting the business was like, yeah, I want to start a business. I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't want to work more than 40 hours a week. Um, and, and I want to be able to schedule when I work. And so that, but that enabled me like thinking about that patience and thinking about, you know, forcing myself to do other things in my life actually helped with the patience aspect. Because if you're grinding constantly 60 plus hour weeks, you can only do it effectively for so long. And then you do want to give up because, um, most of the work that you do is probably not going to contribute to success after a while when you're, you're pushing those, those hour limits on a regular basis. And so having the mindset that I can be patient, um, and frankly, having saved enough money to start the business, we self-funded, um, the business and, uh, we each saved enough money so that we could go a year without, uh, without, without taking a salary, uh, from the business or much of a salary. Um, and so that enabled us also to have patience in what we were doing um, because it was something that was planned. It wasn't just like, oh, let's go do this and then go do it. Yeah, you said you don't want to work 60 hours a week, which is completely reasonable, I think. Uh, how many hours a day you work now? I probably do work between, I mean, if I spread it out, somewhere between like 35 and 45 hours a week, so about 40 hours a week. I work like a pretty average week. It's just that my times of working might be might be off and I'll work on the weekends and I'll, I won't work like... You know, I won't work, you know, five, eight hour days. I'll work, you know, a six hour day, a four hour day, then a 10 hour day. Like it just depends on my schedule and what I, what I want to do. But that it was that flexibility that I was after, um, as part of it. Yeah. Being flexible with your time is one of the best things when you are an entrepreneur. What are some other reasons you became an entrepreneur in the first place? It's knowing that I'm responsible for my own destiny. It's knowing that I'm creating equity in something that's, that's fully mine, um, and, and my co-founders. Um, and knowing that, you know, I can, for right or wrong, I'm, I've made good decisions and bad decisions. Um, they are my decisions. Um, I've typically been uh, a combination of a really good employee and a really bad employee, um, depending upon whether or not I respected my bosses. Um, and, uh, and I didn't want to put myself in that situation again, where like, you know, I've had lots of jobs that were great jobs and I love the job. And then like, for whatever reason, bosses change. And you're like, well, now I'm really working for this other person and I can't stand my job. And it was a job I really liked before. Right. Um, and so I was putting myself at the mercy of, you know, a, a corporate culture and, and other things where, um, now, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, if I don't like the company culture, it's my fault. Let's talk about taking the leap from nine to five to becoming an entrepreneur. How would you do it? And what are some tips and advice for the people in the audience who are thinking about that? Yeah. I mean, I was really practical about it. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't romantic. Um, I, and I, so I advise people to be really practical. It was a longer term plan for me. I worked for Microsoft where I got what was a great education on how to build software in general. I knew eventually I wanted to start my own thing. So I decided I didn't have any experience outside of like the very isolated software development area that Microsoft had me in. So I joined a smaller company as a next step to see in a role that was giving me exposure to sales and marketing. And, you know, even though we didn't do seek funding, I was involved in the funding process at the company, right? I, I sought out those experiences that would be provide an education um, for when I did want to start my own company. Um, and then during that time, I made sure I was saving a lot of money so that like I could, uh, so that I could self fund and have the money for the business. And these days it really wasn't for a software business, especially it really wasn't money necessarily for like starting a business. It was money that like 
I literally paid, uh, I literally paid rent checks to my family. Like I had a business account and, and, uh, my, my family was very accepting and, and they said, well, that's, that's fine. But you know, the, you, we've got kids and, and childcare and expenses. So, you know, you can only do this for so long. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll pay rent. Um, so I was paying rent to live in my own house and, and start the company. I was watching the business bank account, you know, dwindle every month to, you know, to pay, to pay rent. Uh, out of doing it. And that was also very motivational knowing that like there was there, even though I'd been practical, there was a, a runway, right? And <laughs> How important role your family played in all of this? Yeah, they were, they were, uh, they were fully on, on board with the, the idea. Um, a couple years back, I'd, I'd supported my wife in starting her own business. Um, and, uh, you know, even though she didn't stay, she didn't stay with it um, for that long because her co-founder uh, didn't want to do it at a certain point. But um, but you know, I'd, I'd gone through that. And so uh, she was also very accepting of, uh, of me starting, uh, starting my own business. Mm, yeah. So you want to talk about happiness and, uh, talk about what really brings you joy and makes you happy in this life? Because isn't that the goal for everybody? What brings me joy. Um, getting to choose what I work on, um, is, is a big part of it. I'm getting, you know, knowing that, you know, I could have an impact all over the business um, and getting to choose like, hey, I'm going to work on marketing this day or I'm going to go, you know, outsource this other task or I'm going to have, you know, some of our employees do this. But I'm going to work on this other thing that I think is really cool. Um, and so that freedom uh, in terms of what I do for work uh, makes me happy. And then the freedom, um, like I said, you know, the flexible work schedule to, to be able to take advantage of that and do things like, you know, pick up my kids from school and spend uh, and spend more of the afternoon with them and then work after they go to bed. Right. That kind of flexibility where I can spend the time with my family um, and and have activities with my family is uh, critically important to me. Yeah. Getting to choose what you work on and having a real impact with your work on the world is crucial. Since you have freedom in your life and you can be flexible with your work hours, um, do you pursue a lot of habits and if you could pick one or two and uh, walk us through what they are. Um, a couple, uh, I, uh, I am pretty big on at the beginning of the day, setting a, setting a goals list of saying, you know, looking at it and saying, okay, of all of the things that I could accomplish, you know, today, what are the things I, you know, I, I really, I really need to get done today. And so setting that, setting that goals list, um, having a regular cadence of, you know, one-on-ones with, uh, with my employees to do the same thing for them to make sure that they're always looking at their goals for the week and their goals list for the day, um, is a, is a big part of my, is a big part of my practice and that they're, you know, enjoying what they're doing. They get, they're getting the right opportunities to grow and learn just like I am. Um, and then, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I do other things like to, in terms of like for mental and physical health, like I'll meditate, I work out, um, about once a day. And so I do, those activities as well uh, to that are sort of habits of mine. Interesting. Entrepreneurs tend to uh, have a hard time with time management and prioritizing time. Sometimes we do it well, but it's always a challenge. Do you have some uh, actionable tips and advice to manage work and life better? Do you have any advice for me? <laughs> it's it's a, it's a struggle. It's it's it it really is a, it really is a struggle. And, you know, it's something that even five years in, I still struggle with because, like I said. You know, it's hard when you don't, when you have a boss, it's very concrete. They lay out, they generally will lay out goals for the business and goals for you and say, here's your goals, right? But when you are the boss, you're responsible for figuring that out, one, and not wasting your time, two, and three, like then actually accomplishing some of the stuff. And so it's very, 
easy to say, wow, that's an awful lot to be responsible for. I'm going to go like piddle in something that's not important. Um, and so I'd say that's my hardest challenge is, is I will often find myself doing work that other people could do that isn't maybe as critically important for the business as work that I could be doing directly. Um, because it's just, you get that, you know, that anxiety about choosing the right thing and you just end up doing something else. So it's not that I don't work and manage my time at work, but I'd say the biggest challenge and biggest, you know, advice I give to people is to really think about the tasks that they lay out for themselves for the day and say like, are these tasks really a combination of things that will make me happy to do and like things that will actually grow the business? Or do I think that like this re won't really have much of an impact on the business? And then you have to really question like, is it even worth spending that two hours, that extra two hours working to do it, right? Like, um, and maybe not. Yeah, great piece of advice. Uh, Chush, let's end today's talk with the last piece of advice from you. Um. I've, I've given it <laughs> throughout the interview, so I, I would just fall back on, you know, you just have to, you have to keep making forward progress. And to me, at least, and everybody's a little bit different, there's nothing more intoxicating than seeing, like, regular progress and regular intervals. And so that involves, like, breaking up bigger deliverables into smaller releases, you know, at, at one level. And on another level, it's, you know, hey, you know, let's, you know, let's experiment with this set of advertising or experiment with, with guests, uh, with guest posts and let's actually make a guest post as progress. And then let's see what happens. And then we see the traffic and they see progress and then doubling down where you see progress, like wherever you actually see results, doubling down on the areas where you see results and forgetting about areas where you're not seeing results. That's kind of, annoying, but, um, that's my advice. I love that. Josh, what's the best way to find your line and connect with you? Uh, anybody can always uh, email josh at kickofflabs.com. That's probably the best way. Thanks again for coming in and sharing your journey with us, Josh. No problem. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.